Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. to the podcast. My name is Julie Henricus and I'm the executive director of Sisters in Crime. Our guest today is Faye Snowden. Faye is the author of noir mysteries, poems, and short stories. Her novels include Spiral of Guilt, The Savior, Fatal Justice, and A Killing Fire, a dark southern gothic tale featuring homicide detective Raven Burns. A Killing Fire is first in a four-part series. The sequel, A Killing Rain, will be released in 2022. Faye has a master's in English literature. She's been awarded writing fellowships from Jurassic and the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. She's a member of Mystery Writers of America and Sisters in Crime, where she serves as board secretary for Sync National. She's participated in many writing panels, appeared as a guest lecturer in several university writing classes, and taught information technology courses at the university level. Today, Faye works and writes from her home in Northern California. Welcome to the podcast, Faye. Thank you, Julie. Delighted to be here. I'm so glad that we're going to have this conversation about writing and about publishing and also about Sisters in Crime, Mm -hmm. um, three subjects that we can talk a lot about. But let's start with your writing career and your writing path, because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know that you love poetry mm-hmm. and that you write poems as well as uh, as fiction. But when did you say to yourself, I, I want to write a novel? That's an excellent question. Um, and I, I, uh, I never had that question, but it, it, it happened in a um, kind of an experimental way. I always thought I would be a poet, right, that I would write poetry like my father did. Um, and I loved poetry, but, uh, I started experimenting with that writing poetry. I had a few poems published, but it was, um, writing poetry is hard, right? <laughs> um, and then you, you, you can't really get all you want to say in a poem. So then I started writing like short stories and was able to get uh, a short story published. And I found that that was also hard. (laughs) So I moved into exploring longer forms like novels because I could say a lot and what I wanted to say. And not to say that novel writing is hard, but it gave me a lot more space to answer questions and to explore. And so that's how I started writing novels. Yeah. I love that. I I agree with you about poetry 100%. It's very hard to write poetry. (laughs) Um, And I admire that you do. But was this, you know, how old were you when you sort of really were embracing the writer part of you? Um, That's a, I I think that it was probably what I knew that I, it wasn't that I wanted to be a writer, right? It was that I had to be a writer. Writing to me has always been a compulsion. Um, And, uh, you know, I used to tell people if I could take a pill to get rid of the compulsion to write, I would, because um, sometimes it's a very kind of uh, 
uh, it's a lonely occupation. It's hard. I think one writer said it's like um, opening a vein, right? <laughs> you know, that's all the hard part. But it's also when you're in the flow, it's it's beautiful, right? You feel like that you're one with the universe, and you know, and you do have those moments as well. Um, but I think it was in my 20s where I started realizing that for some reason that I was, and I know this is kind of lofty to say, but that I was some reason I had this thing in me where I had to write or I would, I would go insane. Um, but I didn't really embrace the fact, you know, that I was a writer until my fifties where I can say it without, um, where I can say it without, uh, that, that funny face or like, um, I'm a writer or I think I'm a writer, but now I can just say it. But when I was in my twenties and thirties, even when I had books published, it was really hard for me to say, I'm a writer. Um, and I think that was me trying to figure out what that really meant. Right. Um, and you and I have had these conversations uh, just uh, <laughs> right before this podcast. And it's not about, you know, how much you publish or, or, you know, how many books you sell, but it's about that, that calling to actually explore things with words. And um, to me, I don't think that'll ever go away, whether I'm publishing anything or selling anything, I'm, I'm just going to always be called to do that. Yeah, it is a calling it, it, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so were you always called to write uh, when you wrote fiction, uh, crime fiction, or have you explored other genres as well? Um, I was, I wasn't always called to write crime fiction. Um, I I thought I thought I was going to write, um, and I and I I do I dislike this distinction, but I have friends that argue with me about the distinction between literary and genre fiction because I think they're like simpatical. But it, it to me, it's like um, I was just always called to write something, and putting in a crime, especially a murder, is a way to raise the stakes. Um, I also like it because um, of it's it's not formulaic, but there are certain uh, conventions that you follow, and that gives you a lot more time and energy to put into the real questions that you're trying to answer with your writing, right? So that's why I like writing crime fiction, because it does some of the work for me and leaves me space to explore a lot of other things. I did try, and I forgot this book, it's my, I call it my trunk book, you know, the books that you keep <laughs> in your trunk or under your bed. My sister, because she loves me, probably, says that it was one of the best books she's ever read, and she said it's my best work. But I wrote a, um, a 17th century pirate book, a female pirate book, wow. <laughs> kind of a fantasy thing. But um, but that's the only time I explored other genres. And then I do short stories, other forms. I I, I just started um, kind of uh, learning how to, to write those better. And one of my short stories was actually picked up for a, um, to be into the best uh, short stories in 2021 by Steph Shaw and Alec Ehrberg. So one of them made it in there, but I'm starting to explore short stories a little bit more as well. Well, congratulations Thank on you. being included in that anthology. That's a big deal. Thank you. Um, and do you, I mean, those poetry, short stories, full-length fiction, those are three very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you go between, do you have one that that you love more than the others? I would think if poetry was probably one that I love more than the other. And then um, I still do a little writing um, here and there with that. Um, but what it does also is that sometimes I, 
I use them both, right? So in my fiction, um, I like a poetry that has a lot of strong images and imagery. So in my fiction, I'll use some of the things that I've learned in poetry to kind of convey an image or, um, you know, um, invoke certain emotions or um, what I find that uh, poetry works really good in prose. And I'm going to do a blog post on this for a friend of mine, but I think it it works really good in in prose because um, you're reading something and you have to explain how somebody's feeling or what they're doing or where they're from but, you know, you've got to show and not tell the old rule, right? So how do you do that? Well, I know that if, because I used to write poetry, I can do that in one or two lines, right? If uh, instead of saying somebody was really poor, I can say, or where they came from, I can just say they had run over shoes or um, a hole in it. You know, you, you kind of know how yeah. to uh, do things in the books that convey really big things, but you can use really small sentences and really st- in order to do that be very concise yeah I love that I mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. and you know when you talk about southern gothic uh you know some of your writing style I mean that's that blends it together as well don't you think yeah it does it does um and then you look at uh because I love um you know, Flannery O'Connor and, and that, yeah. And she does that really well, um, too. So yeah, um, it does. I, su- I suspect there can be a lot of writers who are pulling out poetry books right now. Trying. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You know, on Twitter, I don't know if you saw, but I did, I did, even though I'm really, really busy usually, but I did 30 days of poems for National Poetry Month. I posted a poem every single day. Uh, I, I think I missed one day and then I uh, I made it up though. And then some days I posted two and three poems. And I just, and then on the blog post, what we're going to talk about is um, how you use poetry to energize your fiction. So, yeah. 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 And you, uh, during NaNoWriMo last November, which Sisters in Crime sponsored and will be sponsoring again this year, mm-hmm. uh, you, one of your prompts was to use poetry to energize fiction. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was intriguing then and I do now as well. Yeah. So you can do it a lot. It's re- it really works well with free writes. Um, I don't know. You're probably familiar with Natalie Goldberg's writing down the bones and she was I don't think she popularized free rights. Maybe she did. But um, one of the things you can do is just take a, you know, an anthology or your, your poetry book, just flip it to an open page, put your finger down. And then like the jazz and prof, right, riff off of that line and just free write off of that line. And that'll get you going. It's a way to get you unstuck. Another way is that take your favorite poem. And if you're stuck on a particular passage in your work, take your favorite poem or your favorite poet and read a couple of passages and you'll be surprised. Good poetry can kind of make you feel better <laughs> right yeah. about the or make you feel worse, but it, it'll make you feel more complex emotions to, um, than, uh, than other um, things. And that'll also get you unstuck. And I talk about, um, I think I posted on Twitter that what happens is that it'll get you in that helps get, put you in the flow quicker Um, than just kind of sitting there struggling. You'll get back into the flow. And you may not use everything that you write after you read some of your favorite poetry, but um, you may be able to to find some gold nuggets in there. So, yeah. 
I love it. What a great tip. And also what a way to re-inspire yourself. When, yes. You know, you're fighting with the muse a little bit and you need to get the magic back in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is awesome. So tell, tell me about your writing, you know, journey. Have you, um, taken a lot of classes? Are you self-taught? Like what's, you know, do you have mentors? How have, how have you developed your craft? Um, I, I am always a student. Um, I remember saying this at a conference once and someone really, I'm like, yeah, I always study. Um, I, um, have a, like I said, master's in English lit, but you're just studying other writers for the most part. It wasn't in creative writing. Um, so I, but I do that. I study other writers. I read books. I even read books that are not very, um, well-written from my perspective, just to see kind of things that I would do differently. I take classes. Um, I read all kind. behind me are all kind of writing books, shelves and shelves of writing books and, uh, um, and just keep, keep practicing. Um, that was, that was my journey. Uh, a lot of people believe that, uh, you know, genius can't be taught or, you know, writing can't be taught. I think the will to write and the compulsion to write can't be taught, but I think writing can be taught. There are a lot of things that um, it is an art, but I do think that uh, you can help writers be better artists. So I, I'm, I'm always a fan of, of, of taking, of figuring out how what, to learn more about it. And yeah. I love that distinction that the calling is the magic, mm-hmm. but it's work to be a good writer and, and you need to learn mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. And continue to learn yes. as you're developing um, and not learn some bad things. So what, what are the best pieces of writing advice you've gotten and what's the worst piece of writing advice you've gotten? The best piece of writing advice that I've gotten over and over again, um, and I need it because I don't often listen, is that writing um, is very subjective. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, you can be the judge of whether or not something is good. Um, You put a piece of writing out there, 20 people may love it and then 20 people may hate it. You'll never understand why. But I think that the best is trust your instinct. Um, And then if you think there's something wrong with a piece of writing, there's probably something wrong with something that you've written, Um, you know, and fix it. Right. Uh, The worst piece of writing that I got was things like um, I'll, I'll just kind of say them. Write what you know to me is right. You know, never use an adverb. Um, never use an adjective, you know, things like you are never in the sentence with the preposition, things like that. Those are the worst pieces of writing advice I ever done. Yeah. And do you think that they're the worst pieces because they, they tie you down and, and don't let you create or be who you are or find your voice or because they're just bad pieces of advice? The first part, they tie you down. Um, it also, and I think that what we do to students in writing classes um, are, you know, in our traditional educational system is awful. Um, I think that it ties you down. Um, it, uh, it's, it stops your, it starts, stops your creativity. It makes you question yourself and um, it creates blocks, right? So if I'm writing a piece and 
I hit put an adverb in there and you're like, well, I'm not supposed to use an adverb. What am I going to use here? What am I going to do? No, I'm not saying that you can't ask yourself questions. You're like, well, is there a better way, way to state that than using this adverb? Or am I, you know, am I doing enough showing or, you know, you can ask questions about it, but to just say to never do that. And I love Stephen King. Don't get me wrong. Stephen King. Oh my gosh. Um, but he, he, he said a couple of things like that, you know, don't use adverbs and, you know, or, or don't do this and that. Um, but then when you read his work, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're Stephen King, but even in his early work, you did that. So if he's doing that, why is he telling other people not to, you know, it just, that kind of stuff to me is not helpful. Yeah. Although I did, uh, his on writing book is a terrific, yeah, yeah, terrific book. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hear you. I I also think that the prepositions at the end of a sentence can stop you for a second and and you can clean all of this up and edit it too. Yeah, exactly. fix it later but you need to write it first exactly that's what I and I yeah and sometimes I think that it uh, stops people from writing it first and my dad I mean one time I will never forget it some, some things that you remember he's so funny one time I go um dad where where are my shoes at and he goes behind that preposition at <laughs> I was like whoa I was like really that you know shade dad shade and I think I was older I think I was an adult <laughs> and I was like no wonder it's all your fault all your fault. <laughs> That's where I get all my neuroticism from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Faye, what's your writing process like? Are you, you know, how do you, how do you start? You're writing a four part uh, series now, mm-hmm. but how do you, how do you germinate ideas or, you know, do, are you an outliner? Are you a pantser? How do you, do you have a are all four of these books in this series sort of outlined so you know where it's going to go? No, I, I usually start out with a question. Like my question on that book um, was that uh, are the sins of the father? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, basically, how far does the apple fall from the tree? That that what that's why I wrote those books. Can we really separate ourselves from what our what our, what our fathers or ancestors did um, and how does that play out in our lives? So I started with that question and then it came to like, oh, well, but you know, okay, so how am I going to answer that question? It's like, what if your dad's a serial killer, you know? And then I, I kind of went on all that. So in these books, the, the question that I want answered is how, if the main character how would they turn out at the end, right? What's the self-fulfilling prophecy? Um, will she fall into that or will she go into another direction? So I kind of have my character art kind of all figured out, but I don't. I still don't even know what's going to happen on the end, but I don't have everything plotted out. The way I do the novel is I'm kind of a plotter as well as a... Um, a, like I do an outline as well as I do kind of free form. So I'll do like a loose outline. And then as I'm writing, I'll put the bones on that outline. I don't like outline and detail everything. And do you prefer the first draft? Do you love that process or you do you love the editing or do you love the whole thing or do you I cannot find the whole thing? 
stand the first draft. That's the hard. And sometimes it takes me years to put a first draft down. But I love, love, even with a short story, it takes me like a couple months to put the first draft down. But I, when I, when I have that first draft down, I love the editing. That's the best part to me. Because that's right, you clean up all the stuff, right? What you were saying earlier, you clean up all those um, little, uh, you just clean everything up in the, in the editing and change things around. And that's when you're really creating. Well, in short stories, people tend to think it's shorter, so it'd be easier. But um, short stories are very hard to write well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because they have to be really lean. Mm-hmm. I mean, really mm-hmm. lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love lean writing. Yeah. So. Do, do you have any writers in particular that, you know, inspire you? You mentioned Flannery O'Connor, but any other writers who you adm- admire their their t- style and their technique? Yes. I love uh, Shirley Jackson, um, Toni Morrison. Um, I love Maya Angelou. Um, and then, oh gosh, Stephen King is one of I think he freed a lot of writers when he started writing. I, I love him. Um, let me see. Oh, gosh. Um, all the classic, like Faulkner, and because I'm a literature geek, I love all of those those writers. And then I love the poetry writers, too. And then the contemporary, um, the contemporary writers, I like those as well. Ralph Ellison is another one that I love. He's not contemporary, but I, he's another writer that yeah. I really like. Yeah, so yeah. you just keep feeding your, your muse in different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the writing journey is something that writers control, and it's uh, solitary to a certain degree. Um, but the publishing journey is a different journey, and I, I think that it's important to talk about them separately because the writing is is what you do, but the publishing you're, you participate in, if you're an indie publisher, you know, you're really taking on all the business part, but it is a separate part because it is the business part. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about your publishing journey a, a little bit, if you don't mind, and what it was it what you expected it to be? No, um, I think I had a lot of misconceptions about the publishing journey. When I got published with a uh, well, the first, the poems and stuff, you know, you just get those in uh, literary magazines and just little, little things. And I was excited about that. Um, but the, when I start, when I published my first novel, Spiral of Guilt, I didn't appreciate how hard it was to get published. I thought, my misconception was, I thought that people wrote books and they were, they were fairly good books. They got published. No problem. Because I think I got an agent. I mean, I got my agent on my second try and I got to a publisher on my third try with my first book, wow. which I feel that was not ready to be published. Right. It was like my I, on my website. I call it my baby book, um, but it, it probably should have just that was the book that I learned how to write a novel on. But uh, but I think that um, so that was fairly easy. I stepped away from publishing because I needed to raise my boys. They were teenagers and they were doing what teenagers do. Um, so I had to step back and pay more attention to them. And then when I came back to writing, I it was so difficult to get an agent. It was so difficult to get a publisher. And I realized that how lucky I was 10 years ago and when I got my agent and my publisher so easily. So that was that was my publishing journey. I had been publishing with Kingsington before. Um, I think I published three books with them. 
and then when I stepped back into it, even though my, you know, you know, everybody looked back at my track record from 10, 15 years ago when I was publishing, when they decided whether or not they wanted to take a chance on me again. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize how something I did, you know, way back in time would affect my publishing career at this moment in time. Right. And that was a big surprise for me as well. I mean, I even had somebody once tell me at a conference, we really wanted to try, try these books, but you know, the, the publishing that you did, you know, your numbers weren't, like I said, that first book was my baby book. Your numbers weren't that good, right? That kind of stuff. So um, that in the traditional publishing, those are kind of things that can really hang you up. They can. Um, they can hang you up. And I, I that's why a lot of uh, writers have many names mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can reinvent themselves with a new name and the publisher can take them on and, and uh, you know, sort of they can emerge. It, it's These days it's more of a hidden secret than it used to be, but, you know, people can have many names. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting and frustrating um journey or conversation Mm -hmm. coming back when you're really committed to your career and having, you know, an earlier incarnation of you as a writer, uh, haunt you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, Kelly Gary was posted on Twitter and I love it. She goes, my past, I mean, my past self is not kind to my future self. (laughs) And I was like, it was like, what did you do past self? (laughs) Yeah. But no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, But don't, when you use a different name, don't you have to tell the publisher who you were or who you really are? Right. Uh, Yes. I mean, I I would imagine so. I mean, you could, possibly get an agent who would <laughs> completely make up a new bio for you. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know if you find one of those. <laughs> I think there's a Donald Westlake book about that, but I'm not I'm going to remember um, because I can remember reading one years ago. Um, but these days with social media, it's also, it's remarkable how different the world is mm-hmm. in the last 20 years you know, full tilt, but social media has made it harder to hide behind different personas yeah. as well. Oh yeah. People ferret that out. You know, yeah. you'll get a tweet. Okay. This person says they're, you know, Marco Polo or something like that. It's like, okay, Twitter, do you think find the real identity? Cause they did that. Didn't they? Didn't they do yeah. that with the uh, Scarlet publishing or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a very different world and the publishing world, the traditional publishing world has gotten smaller um, in that, you know, there are fewer big houses yes. because they've been merging and, and doing all that. Uh, but it's also, uh, you know, publishing's a business and that's a really hard thing for writers to wrap your brain around all the time mm-hmm. is that they need, they're going to publish things they think they can sell and, and taking risks isn't necessarily in the DNA of traditional publishers. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's smaller publishers who, who are taking those risks and figure out distribution through some of the bigger publishers, but it's just, it's, it's quite the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't make as much sense as other businesses. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do you wish you'd known sooner as a writer? 
What do I wish I would have known sooner? Or what would you tell your younger self? To lighten up, right? Yeah, to, you know, if you can, you know, there, there's no need to write every day and don't feel guilty about when you're not writing, you know, just write when you can. Um, don't get too hung up on, oh my gosh, this is a big one. This is a big one. Don't use the fact that you write as a reason to validate yourself. Don't, va- don't validate your self-worth by writing, right? Don't, don't wrap, just like you don't want to wrap your identity up in your job, right? Nobody's going to put on your tombstone, you know, face note and, you know, project manager or, you know, you don't want to, right? Nobody's going to put on your tombstone face note and writer of great books. So, you know, a million, just don't, you know, you've got to separate your identity from that. Um, that's what I wish. Cause I did, I did use it as valid, even though I wouldn't tell anybody when people found out about, Oh, you published. And I'm like, yeah, I did. You know, I'm so proud. And I'm like, I am proud of that, but you've got to separate that from who you, who, who you are deep down inside. I wish somebody had told me that because I grew up in circumstances, um, that, you know, I was, there was, uh, my mom had some mental illnesses that were undiagnosed. So there was a lot of abuse, my dad was never around, um, only when he was like criticizing the way I spoke. Um, and it, it was just, you know, we were poor, there was never enough, you know, food or anything. And so then, you, you know, you're dealing with the racism problem on top. So the self-esteem and then the stress that was really, a, I had a huge issue with that. And I just kind of dived all in, you know, if I wasn't writing or publishing, I didn't feel like I was worthy. And, um, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that's great that you do that. Um, but don't, don't wrap your identity up in that. Yeah. Or, or your self-worth because yeah. when it doesn't work the way you thought it would be, you got to be able to separate yourself from that. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it can't be, it can't be, you're only worthy if they're going to publish you. Exactly. And that's, yeah. Yeah. That's great advice for people of all ages. Eh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's what I, I should listen to my own advice more, right? <laughs> well, I think uh, one of the nice things about getting older is we, we take things as seriously in that we work hard, but we take them less seriously because we know how much else there is to life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that lighten yeah. up piece, right? Enjoy the yeah. sunshine. You know, if you can yeah. squeeze out 500 words or, couple times a week while you are, you know, running around with your toddlers or uh, having a conversation with your teenagers or having an argument with your teenagers, you know, more, you know, more power to you. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. No. And you're still succeeding if you, you know, Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. that's such great advice. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Sisters in Crime. You're currently the national secretary of this organization, mm-hmm. and you're in your third year. Is that right? I think this is my second year. Third year second will be October. October. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and have could, let's just talk about Sisters in Crime and community because I think that's something else we don't talk about to writers as much uh, because it is such a solo activity, but getting published is actually, and, and finding your way is actually a community effort It is um, because you've got to find your, your, your people, Mm -hmm. I mean, to support you. So what role has sisters in crime played in your 
journey? Um, a, a huge role. Um, I was involved in Sisters in Crime when I was writing back in 99 to like 2007. Um, and they are just the warmest um, people. I found my community um, with them in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, uh, friends that I will have for the rest of my life. And also it's so um, welcoming to talk about to talk to people that know what you go through and that can give you advice and that understands and um, that can introduce you maybe to so-and-so who's having the same issue or maybe be able to help you, um, you know, move forward. So that's what I love about it. And I also love what they're doing for the genre, right? Um, there's just not enough women. Um, there's not enough uh, people of color. There's not enough um, LGBTQT. I mean, and then you've got Susan and Crime coming in and they're kind of going, enough. We're going to, we're going to do all that we can to fix that and, and to work on that. So I love that. And just kind of give you an example of the community when I, um, I didn't disappear. Right. But I, I, uh, I was really, really involved in sisters in crime in the Bay area. I was VP at, at one time of our, our chapter. Um, and I met a lot of great Camille Minichino, a lot of great people, uh, Julie, uh, Goodson Lowes, she writes under Juliet Blackwell and, um, Simon Wood and all, all these great people. And then when my kids started, you know, doing their teenager thing, I had to drop out. So, I, you know, I didn't really say, you know, goodbye, I'm dropping out because of this. I just stopped going to meetings and because it was a there was a lot of turmoil. Great, I mean, wonderful turmoil. Right. My kids are wonderful. I love my kids. And then when I came back 10 years later, they were like, Faye, we missed you. And they were like. And then I think Camille said, you just disappeared from us. Where were you? And that made me feel, maybe I could have done it a little bit better too, but that, you know, disappear, I shouldn't disappear. That made me feel so, Julie, so warm inside that they were actually, I got welcomed back. There wasn't a lot of, you know, recriminations. There was just this, we missed you. We're so glad you're back. We're so glad that you're writing again. And Parker, all of them. We're so glad you're back. And that just made me feel wonderful. And if, if I don't think without Sisters in Crime, I would, I probably wouldn't be, I mean, I would probably be writing and writing, you know, in my basement and kind of, you know, that, but they made me get out there. So, yeah. 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 That's a wonderful story. It, it feels, feels so great. Yeah. Just even thinking it, about it and talking about it. Yeah. Well, and our life cycles mm -hmm. uh, help drive what we can and cannot do just as far as a full life. And when you've got kids who need you, uh, you, you know, something's got to give. Mm -hmm. It's just um, there's there's different times in your life when you could take on different things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad this isn't a crime. They were there for me both times unconditionally. You know, and then, um, and I, you know, you're going to find those people there that you necessarily wouldn't want to have a beer with. But most of them, like I say, 98 percent, you would want to have beer, and some cocktails, maybe go out and see a movie. <laughs> All of it. All, All of, it. of it. Yeah. No, it's uh, uh, it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful community for sure. And the chapters, you know, there are almost 60 chapters mm -hmm. uh, across North America and uh, 
potential of a chapter starting in Europe at some point soon. Um, you know, your chapters are where you can meet in person mm -hmm. and, yes. and sort of connect that way. Or in this last year, connect via Zoom, mm -hmm. which can be more efficient for some folks who have to, can't travel as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So what's next for you? What's next for me is um, I am, um, you know, talking to my family this weekend about this uh, series, taking a lot of work with a small publisher. I'm going to finish that no matter what. Um, I'm just going to finish the four books in that series. I'm going to continue writing on my short stories. Um, I do have a, a book. The second book in the series is coming out in 2022 of A Killing Fire. I have A Killing Rain coming out. Um, and I'm going to continue to hone my craft on short stories. And I like to do maybe I'll this, you know, this uh, National Poetry Month kind of inspired me too. you know, looking up all those poems and put them out. Maybe I'll like uh, try working just for fun on some poems as well. So that's that's what's next. Well, you've inspired me to take out a poetry book or look some things. I'll look for your old tweets, actually, because that might help me find some poets <laughs> oh, as yeah. well. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. But I loved what you talked about, how poetry can help with your um, your narrative style mm -hmm. or to, to help you use words a little bit better and a little bit more mindfully. And I do love that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so thank you for that advice. <laughs> and thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, Julia, it was so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. You no, know, I'm so happy. And thanks for the work you do for Sisters in Crime. And uh, information about Faye will be in the show notes. So thank you so much. All right, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.